we are going to do a word study and see its implication on us. Today, God led us to the sharing of the word heart. We are going to talk about the heart. And it is going to come from uh, Proverb chapter 4, verse 23. Proverb chapter 4, verse 23. It reads, Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Have you ever seen a dog? A dog guarding a hunted animal or a prey? Back home, we have hunting dogs in Africa. Hunters would just corner and squeeze the prey. And most of the time, if not always, dogs arrive to the hunted animals first, because they are very fast, of course. Once the animal is killed, a crafty dog would guard, would protect, would defend the prey until the hunters arrived. At that time, that dog is more ferocious because they are protecting. It is more ferocious than ever. It does not want anybody to touch. And so, to guard something is to make sure it does not get away and that it is safe from attack. This, protect, this protection can be said of our heart. We have to guard our heart. Do you know the reason why we have to guard our heart? We said it. The Bible says the heart is our source of life. In Hebrew, the heart is the location of knowledge the preconscious source of decisions. In scripture, the heart signifies the seat of the affections, wisdom, understanding. According to a certain Francis Dixon, the heart is the center of a man's being. The heart directs all our thoughts and emotions. The heart is used to describe a person's soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. It is the inner self, as 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 reads. The heart dictates the mouth or the ribs. What to say? Everything you do, everything you say, flows from it. Although some people say that the mouth can tell something different and independent from what is in the heart, some say that, but uh, 
I don't know. What about you? What do you think? The proponent of that argument, they think that uh, one can say, I love, while he, she hates from within. To me, I am convinced that the mouth cannot change the heart. But the heart controls everything the mouth says, including its pretensions, because all comes back to the heart. A lot can be said of the heart, and I cannot claim to exhaust all about it, because the heart comes almost 826 times throughout the Bible. My point is, let all of us, God, protect our heart. No one is shielded from a deceiving heart. Since Adam and Eve sinned, we inherited the deceptive heart. It is by God's grace that we can get away from it. The heart can lead to both blessings or curses, depending on its dispositions. On one hand, if we want, to, to, if we want the heart to be a bad master, you feed it with evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, slander, and alike. An example of, of this is the heart of Pharaoh of Egypt when, at several times, he would harden his heart and not let God's people go. Of a person like Pharaoh, Proverbs 23, verse 6, calls him a stingy person. Proverbs 23, verse 6 through 8 reads, let's see what Proverbs 23 says. Don't eat a stingy person's bread and don't desire his choice food for it is like someone calculating inwardly. Eat and drink, he says to you, but this heart is not with you. His heart is not with you. You will vomit the little you have eaten and you waste your present words. On the other hand, if we want the heart to be a good master, feed it with good thoughts, love, service, empathy, and alike. An example of this is the heart of Jonathan, the son of King Saul. He was supposed to be king after his father, but he followed a good heart that allowed him to love David, knowing that he would inherit his throne. In short, we ought to preciously guard our heart and not let it deceive us. Now, let all of us examine ourselves. Which kind of heart is within us? 
Have we ever sinned in our heart? Absolutely. Have we ever blessed, blessed someone from our heart? Of course we did. Here is our struggle. We all aspire to have a heart that only blesses and not the one that curses. Right? No one wants the heart to be both. And yet, here we are with both, with blessings and with cursing. Shall we then give up the pursuit of the good heart? No way. Now, this is the perpetual fight within us. This fight, the Apostle Paul refers to as a sin in Romans 7, 14 through 25. It reads, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am on the flesh, sold as a slave to sin, for I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now, I am no longer the one doing it, but it is a sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there there is no ability to do it. For I do not the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discover this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is, is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law, but I see a different law in the path of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoners to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God throughout, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. Likewise, since we can't do it on our own, we have to ask God to give us a new heart. That's what Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 through, 20, through 21 says. Let's go there just a little bit. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19 through 21. It reads, I will give them integrity of heart and put a new spirit within them. 
I will remove their heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh so that they will follow my statutes, keep my ordinances, and practice them. They will be my people, and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts pursue their desire for abhorrent acts and detestable practices, I will bring their conduct down on their own heads. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Do we need a, a new heart? There are conditions attached to it. Some of those conditions are the following. One, be willing to change and change. Saul the king, when he was pursuing David to kill him, he several times claimed change of heart, but he never changed till he died. Not only we should will to change, but we literally have to change. Number two, be transformed, Romans 12, from verse 1 through verse 2. In the Greek language, transformed means change with no return. Metamorpho, theite, go without return. It is said of a caterpillar which once transformed into a butterfly is over. It can't go back to its initial stage of being a caterpillar. Saul, who became the apostle, on his way to Damascus, made a, a drastic turn. He changed from persecuting Jesus' followers to proclaiming the good news to the nations. No return on his initial state, state, uh, state of head. He never returned there. Number, two, number three, be aware of the world and its desires. First John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, gives the good answer. Let's go there and see what it says. A warning about the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for everything in the world the last of the flesh, the last of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its rust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Brethren, the world with its rust is passing away. But one who does the will of God remains forever. Let us seek to know the will of God and obey it instead of following a deceiving heart. Finally, Galatians chapter 5, 16 
through 18 Paul reads, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. As we conclude, as we conclude our message today, what is, who is reading your heart? Who is reading our heart? Is it the Spirit of God? or the flesh? How are we guarding our heart? Do we want to have the source of life? Let's pray. Our dear Lord, we thank you so much for being with us, and we thank you for your word that reminds us the importance of our heart and how we should guard, protect, and defend because it is our inner, utmost thing that made us. The heart is very important. We are praying that the Lord you would give us courage to control so that everything that comes of it would be to bless and not to curse. It is not easy, but with the Holy Spirit, we will conquer. We thank you, we love you, Lord, for we pray all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you, brother. Uh, outward behavior, the things that we do, uh, it's not enough, is it? Simply to change the things that we choose to do. Uh, it really is a matter of the heart, a matter of heart change. And therefore, we need uh, a better arrangement than an arrangement that simply says, do better things than you've been doing. We need an arrangement that's able to change us from the inside, that's able to change our hearts, that's able to change uh, the source of life, the spring from which the issues of life flow. Very needed reminder for us. And what hope do we have of our hearts being changed? I can change the stuff I do sometimes. Uh, can I change the things that I love? Can I change my own priorities? Uh, can I change the seat of my own affections and the ways that I think? Uh, not under the old arrangement, not under the arrangement that says do these things and do these things and don't do these things and don't do these things. I need the better arrangement that our brother Jean Didieu mentioned from Ezekiel 11, the one where God says, I will give them a new heart. I will give them my spirit. 
I will work in them from the inside out, one that doesn't depend merely on my own decisions, but depends on God himself. And that's what he has done. He's given us that better covenant, a better way, a way in which he is the one who fulfills his requirements for us in our hearts. And so Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. I think that means Jesus. As we see Jesus, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What's that? That's, that's my beautifier, right? As the Spirit shows me Jesus, he's taking away my shame, making me one degree at a time, not all at once, like our brother said, one degree at a time through life, making me just like him. There's no doing that without the work of Jesus on our behalf. There's no doing that only by our own effort. It takes Jesus, his death, his resurrection. And so Paul goes on to say, we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. We don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus, who is the image of God. For, Second uh, Corinthians 4, 5, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we have the opportunity, having celebrated our beautifier. Thank you for singing about him. Thank you for preaching about the need for him to be the one who changes our hearts. And we have the opportunity to experience that now even, even bodily as we celebrate communion together. So the way that we'll do this this morning is we have elements up front. We, we actually have uh, separate cups and separate bread this morning. If, if you'd like to take it that way, you're welcome to. If you're more comfortable with a, a prepackaged kit, we have those available as well. In just a minute, I'm going to pray. Ben is going to uh, play for us. And then I would just encourage you to bring your heart before God through Jesus Christ, entrusting yourself to him. And as you've done that, come forward, receive uh, the bread, receive the juice, and take that back to your seat and hold on to that. And then in a few minutes, we will partake together. Father, we thank you that through Jesus, through your spirit, you are the one who beautifies us, who takes away our shame and replaces it with a glory that we could never develop on our own, with the glory of Jesus Christ himself. Uh, would you bless our participation now in remembering what he's done for us? In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>